Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Did I turn that off mute? I did turn that off mute. All right. Uh, kiddos, Let's see, we have Elevate this morning. We also have EGC. So uh, third, fourth, and fifth grade, if you want to go. Uh, we go through the New City Catechism for kids back, uh, well, back in the front in the office. Uh, I think Steve and Lisa are back there teaching that this morning, uh, which is a good practice to uh, learn. Um, it is uh, really, a, a catechism is learning the answers uh, before in life you're really asking the questions. And so once you start asking the questions, then you have answers to be able to go, that's right, I learned that. Um, and it helps because I've said this a million times, I'll say it again, in a world of, of deconstruction, believing something just because your parents believed it is not always good. But not believing something just because your parents believed it is never good. So, does that make sense? All right. Whatever. Uh, I'm glad you're here. We're like really spread out this morning. I'm glad you guys braved the, the eight degrees uh, to come out. I don't know where I'm flipping to. I'll get here in a second. Um, we're going to read this morning in Philippians chapter 4. We're taking a break. Uh, we finished our Advent series. Uh, we're going to get back into First John for a little bit. Um, but this month of January, what we always try to do is look at spiritual disciplines and practices and how do we set off into a new year? How do we actually approach uh, a new year? And a lot of what Jeremy talked about, um, how do we approach this uh, in, in life? So what does it mean as a follower of Jesus? So uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 this morning, one of the great, most taken out of context chapters in all of Scripture. Uh, you may have seen a lot of these verses on coffee mugs and t-shirts uh, without any context whatsoever. Um, and we can do all things through a verse taken out of context. So uh, we're going to try to um, look at a few verses this morning from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Uh, and uh, if you want to, you can follow along in your Bibles or we'll have it on the screen behind me. And... Uh, we're going to do. We're going to start this new year with a new response, a new liturgical response after we read the Bible. Okay, so uh, so I'll I'll give you that when we get there. Philippians chapter four verses four through nine says this: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about, meditate, dwell on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And this is what we're going to start saying. 
uh, who, when we read scripture, we will say the grass withers and the flower fades. And you can respond by saying, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Okay, so you ready to try that? It's early, it's cold out. Everybody ready? Gear up for it. Because it's not written, you got to remember it. Ready? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Good. Here's why I want to do that, is because we live in a day and age where nothing stands forever. Nothing, except your old tweets. Nothing stands, like even for a day, we're on to the next thing. And we need to be rooted in the fact that God's word stands forever. So, um, with that, the house I grew up in, uh, I loved the house I grew up, up in. Uh, it was here in St. Charles, and we had a big backfield, and we used to play football, and we actually dug a huge pit, my friends and I, in this backfield. And then, uh, and then it went to a creek. Uh, and so it was great for playing football and playing tag, and it was also, the creek was great for getting in trouble. And I loved the backyard, and it kind of faded. We had one of those, you know, ranch in the front, like the, uh, I just thought of this, is like, the, what's the hairstyle? Uh, mullet. It's the mullet of houses, right? You have the ranch style in the front, and, but the big walkout in the back, two-story. Uh, party in the back. And, and the, the backyard kind of faded away downhill toward this big field, and then there were a couple of big trees. And so that tree, especially when I was in elementary school, that was like the climbing tree. Everybody came over, everybody in the, everybody in the, in the neighborhood would come over, um, and we would climb in the tree, and we'd play tag in the tree, and we'd jump out of the tree and swing on it and everything. And you could get, like, it was common for us to climb up the tree to deck level, uh, where that was up to the deck. And, I mean, it was a bit, it was a bit of a climb, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't daunting. Um, and so it was common to get there. On occasion, you could climb a little bit higher and get to, like, roof level. And remember, this is fading away from, so it's downhill a little bit. You get to roof level. But I remember one time, I was going to go to see over the roof. And so I got up into the thin branches. And I was doing well, and I came up to the pitch there, and I could start to see over the top of the roof, and like a gust of wind came, and, and the whole thing started swaying a little bit. And then I looked down, and it was over. I bear hugged that tree. I grabbed every branch I could, and I was like holding on for dear life. And my friend Jeff, who was down on the ground, he was trying to, you know, like elementary kids, like, like friends do, he was giving me a hard time, encouraging me uh, to get down and calling me names and such. And um, I didn't care. Uh, I was not in the mood to impress him. I was scared. And uh, so he ran inside and he got my dad. And my dad came out and he came out on the deck at first and he was kind of even looking up at me from the deck. And kind of the same way, he wanted like, you know, you got yourself into this, let's see if you can get out. You just put your foot on that, put, and I wasn't having it. Now, here's what he didn't do. This is great parenting right here. He did not get angry at me. He probably did later, but in the moment, he was not, he did not like come out yelling, guns blazing. And that was some good fathering right there. Uh, and, and then eventually when he saw that I was not letting go, he came down and he climbed up the tree. Uh, and uh, this is, my dad is not scared of heights at all. I could tell you stories that make me nervous uh, just in telling the story. But he climbed up the tree. It felt like hours, but it was probably like 30 seconds that it took him to get up there. And he got behind me, and he, and he put his arm around me like that. 
And he said, I'm here. It's okay. You can let go of that. Um, and he proceeded to help me get down to a safer level. And there was something about the peace and the presence of my dad that I knew everything was going to be okay. Oh, okay. Now, uh, as a child, we are, the, the eventual goal is for us to learn and grow and become less and less and less dependent on our parents, or so the theory goes, right? Um, however, as children of God, the goal is when we learn and when we grow, that we actually become more and more dependent on our Heavenly Father. It is the opposite. We are never to grow independent of our Heavenly Father. We are never to get to a point where we go, it's cool, I got it from here, you have time to worry about all those other sinners now. The goal of the Christian life is never to need Jesus less. And so our growth and maturity in the Christian life is to need him more and constantly walk in the presence and peace of Jesus. So this morning, we're going to look at this passage in Philippians 4. Uh, we're going to spend the next few weeks just talking about good practices and habits to form as we walk in the presence and peace of God. And these can be called spiritual disciplines. These can be called spiritual practices. We're going to talk a little bit later about spiritual formation and what that is. Discipleship, discipleship is all of this kind of learning and growing and applying this. There's different elements and different names to it, but this is all part of growing and walking and following Jesus. And so I want to give two statements right off the bat before we get into this whole month and before we get into this passage. The first one is this. These practices are not objectives to accomplish, they are habits to form. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, the practices are not, these are the strategies, not the goal. Okay, the first one, um, I, I had a friend, he would always do the newest workout routines, and I don't know if anybody, like I'm, I fell asleep on the couch one night and woke up to an infomercial with my friend in his underwear with before and after pictures on the TV for one of these. And I was like, dude, it's not, like, I was, am I still asleep? Um, and then that raises all kinds of questions. But uh, it, was, it was disturbing. But he, was, he would do these things. I don't, like, if you remember P90X, he would do P90X, and then about 30Xs after that, you know, he would, like, be ripped. And then about 30Xs after the 90Xs, he, he would... It, like it all be back. Now, here's the deal. We all do that, and I don't even make it 10x's in. Like, I, so credit to that. Like, I don't. Um, so, uh, when it comes to spiritual stuff, the goal is not to read through the Bible in a year. In fact, I'm not sure that I would recommend that for too many people. I would recommend reading through the Bible and taking the time you need. I would recommend engaging scripture, but if you read through the Bible in a year and you just go check and then forget it or have never engaged in the word of God or have never let that like soak in, you've accomplished and then 30 days later, what? That's not what spiritual practices are. 
Um, also, these are this, the, these habits and these practices. They are the strategies, not the goal. The goal is the goal is not to read your Bible and pray and meditate. These are strategies for knowing God, for trusting Him, for growing and walking in the peace and presence of God. And we have to be careful not to confuse the strategies with the goal. Does that make sense? The goal is to know Jesus and trust him and walk in confidence um, and peace. So those are the two things right off the bat. Let's dive into this passage. Paul starts off by saying this in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, if you grew up Baptist, I grew up Baptist, and you don't have this song running through your head, I don't know what to tell you. But, like, I am so tempted to do a, like, a round where we start. Rejoice in the Lord always. Anybody? Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Like, oh, I love it. Um, I'm just going to tell you, anytime I read this verse, that song, like, I can't get out of my head, which is okay, because I probably need... I probably need that more than I realize. Um, but, uh, but I'll spare that. We're not going to do that. Um, Paul writes this letter, this entire letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, somebody has said, like, if you read through the letter to Philippians, count the number of times he says joy and rejoice. This is actually one of the churches that's getting it right. And Paul is writing to encourage them. There's a little discord, I think, and I'll, I'll share my opinions about that another day, but Yodi and Sintiki, they got a little discord right before this passage. Two women in the church. I think it's about politics, um, and I don't care what you say. Uh, but uh, Paul encourages them in the Lord. But overall, it's this encouraging to, to hang in there, uh, to, um, to, like, to continue rejoicing, to fight hard to continue to rejoice. Now, the, Paul, the, the rejoicing that Paul's talking about here, this is not rooted uh, in the surrounding circumstances at all, and nor is it to deny the circumstances around them. The rejoicing in the Lord is rooted in this. The Lord is at hand. He is present. He is there. And, and the more that I have read this and just and sit in it and, and want to sit more in it, um, I think there's a lot involved in this push, command, we'll call this a command, uh, to rejoice that Paul gives here. To actively rejoice in the fact that God is present, that he hears, that he knows, that he is good and ultimately in control, that we can trust him no matter how dark the night gets. So we can rejoice, and it's not denying reality, present reality. It's actually rejoicing in a greater reality. It goes beyond what is right here in the present. Um, and I also think this brings out a deep joy in us to practice rejoicing, to practice like trusting that God is in control, to practice trusting that God is here and he has got this, to read and study and pray and meditate on his word um, to actively call on him in prayer gives us a deep sense of joy. Not always happiness, but a sense of relief and joy, and that we can actually practice that. And then there is also the call in this passage to put that joy on display for everyone. 
the word that the ESV uses here is reasonableness. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The actual Greek word, I'm going to try not to uh, mess this up, um, is uh, epie kaye. No, epie kaya. <laughs> Lest we confuse that with a Christmas movie. <laughs> Those who have ears. Uh, the, the NIV translates this as gentleness. King James translates it as moderation. Isn't that interesting? Reasonableness, gentleness, moderation. And, and in a weird way, they're all right. Uh, this word carries a lot of connotations to it, significant meanings. Mildness, patience, yieldingness, gentleness, clemency, which is the disposition toward mercy, unwillingness to litigate or contend. What this is describing here is someone who is willing to let God fight for them. It is someone that doesn't feel the need to fight all of their own battles and can actually trust God to do it. it, it it's what Romans 12, when Paul says, um, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, that we don't have to take that on ourselves. Two things to help explain this, two kind of illustrations or whatever that, that might be common in our day. Um, let's say that somebody maliciously trips you and pushes you down and you break your arm. Okay? They, like they do it on purpose. And they're not sorry. Uh, does that person deserve justice and punishment for that act? The answer is yes. They do. Uh, should you tell the principal or police, depending on your stage of life, hopefully, um, Hopefully that doesn't still happen, but on occasion maybe. Should you tell authorities? Answer is, the answer is yes, you should. That being said, no amount of punishment that that person receives will heal your arm. Justice, yes. Vengeance, no. They can never be punished enough for you to heal. And in the same way, if you feel like, yeah, but I feel like I'm the one tripping me all the time, you can never be punished enough for you to heal. Walking in and rejoicing in the presence of God our Father, who is here and who will one day make all things right, allows us to both call for justice, and we, I, need reminding of this all the time, to call for justice and simultaneously be freed from self-vindication and toward healing. It compels us to call for justice, but it frees us to be the ones that have to carry it. The second thing, current day illustration, if you may have heard this saying, and I want to, I want to, Acknowledge it and combat it. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. 
Anybody ever heard that? Um, man, what a bold, boastful call to action. But here's the thing. Rarely do we make wise choices and decisions out of outrage. Rarely is outrage helpful, at least continual outrage. Um, and most prominently, outrage can wreak absolute destruction on your own soul. We are called to wisdom, not outrage. And, and quite honestly, outrage over a long period of time doesn't accomplish much. If you put exclamation points at the end of every sentence, nothing is emphasized. If you highlight the entire book, nothing is highlighted. If we are always outraged, it's easy to tune out. So with that, pay attention, absolutely. Don't just ignore the world. Be wise, absolutely. Use your voice, use your ears more. Love extravagantly and trust Jesus. Steward your outrage. Let outrage be, in checked, be, be checked often by our gentleness and our call to love. And then we don't get to pick and choose who, gets to, who we make this known to. Paul says make this known to everyone. So as we rejoice in the presence of God, we can, I believe, experience the deep peace of God. Verse 6, Paul says this, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, I appreciated what one commentator talked about with the different forms of peace and how they relate to God in Scripture. There is peace from God, that we acknowledge that peace comes from God. He is the one that brings peace. There is peace with God where because of the work of Jesus, we can be reconciled to God and be put in good relationship with him. And then what Paul's talking about here, the peace of God. And this is kind of the mind-boggling peace that goes beyond all of our comprehension. This is the ultimate of ultimates, it's going to be okay. Where it's not just positive thinking based on no reality whatsoever of like, well, I'm sure it's gonna be okay. And if not, we'll say that again. This is the ultimate of it's going to be okay. Um, that the God who of all creation, of all time and history, has got this. And that he has got me. And that the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And I will be okay. In fact, I will be better than okay. And as light as it may get, uh, it's not nearly as bright as it will one day be. And even the dark things, that, as we see in the crucifixion and in the resurrection, even the darkness will be redeemed. So, this is the ultimate peace beyond present day. So does this mean that we just sit there and not do anything? By no means. By no means. Um, Paul gives this uh, impossible command that Jesus gives also. And he says, be anxious about 
nothing. How, how are you doing with that? Does anybody else really struggle with this? I, I, I will say, I do really, really, really well with the command to be anxious about most things. Um, the be anxious about nothing, that's, that's a bit harder. And then Jesus even adds to that in Matthew. He, he says, um, which of you, by being anxious, has added a single day to your life? Oh, you got to use logic. Oh, come on, Jesus. Give me something better than that. But let's not be confused here, okay? Jesus is not calling us. Paul is not calling us to Stoicism. Stoicism is basically where, uh, that was, Stoicism was actually a belief back in this day, and sometimes we've confused it in Christianity. Stoicism calls its followers to simply live in harmony with reason and the concept of reason and show no emotion toward pleasure or pain. Kill all emotion. Paul just told us to rejoice. So he's not telling us to kill all emotion. Here's what, here's what I'm convinced that this is uh, telling us. What Paul is doing, I think he is giving us a better place to take that emotion when we experience it, when we feel it. Um, so the goal is not to not feel. The goal is the reminder and then the practice when we have good feelings, when we have bad feelings, when we have anxious feelings, when we have nervous feelings, when we have angry feelings, when we have overwhelmed feelings or happy feelings or helpless feelings, that we are to bring those before God. And I will add, before trusted Christian community, friendships, um, that uh, we bring those before them and before God in prayer in request, in confession, in acknowledging, in asking, in pleading, in talking, in confessing, and that we do this with gratitude, that we make them known. And the reason, Paul's gonna tell us, the reason this takes practice is because this is not our default mode. This takes trust, and our default mode is not trust. Our default mode is self-defense. And so when we feel these things, to be able to bring them before God, to be able to bring them before trusted Christian community. And if, if that, if you do not have a friendship uh, that does that, then, uh, then clergy, pastors, that I, I am, am open to that. If you just need somewhere to dump and vent, um, I, can, I do that. Uh, I do it better over certain beverages, uh, coffee in the morning, um, uh, or, and or therapy, absolutely. Jesus and therapy go a long, long way. Uh, a good therapist is, is good. But Paul tells us that the peace of God will stand guard over our hearts as we do this. When we make known to him, when we confess God himself, the peace of God stands guard over our hearts. So, this is where we get to the, the final uh, piece here. We have the presence of God and we have the peace of God. And they are here to be soaked in. This is the heartbeat of repentance and faith and obedience and fighting sin and all of those things. is to walk in the peace and presence of God. But it is not our default way of doing things. We don't naturally fall toward trusting God 
and delighting in his presence. Our hearts and minds are quick to find other things. So we need to practice these things. And Paul finishes, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any uh, excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul gives us a, a list of things to meditate on, to dwell on, to practice. Uh, and we're going to do meditation here in a couple weeks, and I, would, I don't think we'll use that passage. Who knows? Um, uh, but we're going to look at meditation, what that is, and dwelling deeply on these things. Um, but then Paul says for us to practice this. Paul presents the heartbeat of discipleship, right? Follow me as I follow Jesus, which incorporates study and prayer and meditation and community and all of these things. And it brings to light what we do with our thoughts and our fears and our insecurities of knowing them and bringing them before God. So we're called to practice being a follower of Jesus, practice a new and better kingdom, practice our citizenship, our future citizenship, practice the presence and peace of God in every nook and cranny of life. There is no place where it doesn't go. So we're going to finish this week. I am um, I'm excited about an opportunity that's coming up here in a few weeks. I'm going to have Tiffany come up here. Um, I've got a, a couple of questions. She's going to lead uh, a class. Um, and this is an opportunity coming up here in a few weeks to actually practice some of these in a more intimate setting with community, working together uh, to do this. And it actually, this is not in place of gospel communities, but it should fuel us in gospel communities. And I'm gonna say this, Tiffany Neville um, has been, she's classes for almost two years. So she's been taking classes uh, on spiritual formation, actually working toward a um, certification in spiritual formation. Um, spiritual direction, but it's part, okay. So, first, tell us just a little bit of like what you have learned over the last couple of years. Yeah, so um, I've been doing a program for the last two years with an organization called Sustainable Faith, where um, I've been studying spiritual direction, but spiritual direction is a weird word that is not in, I guess I would say, like evangelical circles as, as commonly. Um, spiritual formation is part of that. Um, spiritual direction is just sitting with someone and talking about your spiritual life. We have a lot of places that we talk about um, our personal lives, our marriages, our friendships, and things like that. But spiritual direction is to come and sit with someone and specifically talk about just your spiritual life. Um, and so spiritual formation is a part of that in that um, understanding how we are formed into the image of Christ is a really important piece of being able to sit with someone and talk with them about their spiritual life. Um, what I have loved about learning about spiritual formation is just the idea that um, what we're going through is not something that's this weird, mysterious thing. There is a process that's happening, and it's echoed in all of life. Um, we see it in seasons. We see it in nature. We see it all over the place in life and death. Um, and so there's a process that we're going through where we're being formed into the image of Jesus. And um, in some ways, there's nothing new, and in some ways, there we just need to be encouraged by what we see happening in that process. So. And it's been around. 
Yeah, this spiritual formation, I mean, you and I, we had this great conversation um, where I texted Trey and I said, uh, do you feel like spiritual formation is a new word? And I, your answer was, well, it depends. And so, and it does, I think it does depend on your circles that you traveled in, whether or not you're churched or unchurched, whether you have grown up in the church or whether you, and what denomination or sect you've been a part of for your life too. Um, it depends on whether or not you've been exposed to that word, spiritual formation. And so, but it, spiritual formation is not a new word. It's been around for a really long time. And it's just the process by which you're formed into the image of Christ. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you already answered the second question, so oh, I'm no. going to skip over the third. Okay. Um, so tell us why, and, and you've, you've touched on this a little bit, mm -hmm. but why does this, why, do, what, why does this matter? Yeah. I wrote it down because I'm going to forget. And so I had four, I had four reasons it matters. <laughs> okay, the first reason, um, it encourages us that we're not alone. This is a process, and it's something that's happening within us. And a lot of times, especially right now, as we've gone through, if you're looking around on social media, we talk about deconstruction a lot. And um, that can be really unsettling to a believer when they come up to this point in their spiritual life where the stuff that worked for them doesn't work for them anymore. It can be very unsettling. And so to know that that's actually part of spiritual formation, that that's incredibly settling to be like, okay, I don't have to freak out about the questions that I have right now. I don't have to be, um, I don't have to feel like I'm losing my faith. Um, to have someone say, actually, that's okay. That's actually part of being formed into your relationship with Christ. And so it unites us. We're bound together um, across time, across space. This is stuff that happens. The process of us being formed into the likeness of Christ is something that has happened to all of us throughout all of time. All believers have experienced these things and have walked through this. And so you don't just get to be united to one another in your own things, but you get to be united across across all the boundaries. So that's super exciting, I think. Um, the other thing is it reminds us of our need for God, and it reveals his goodness, mystery, and faithfulness. Um, I think that as we share our walk with one another, um, it's so tremendously encouraging to know that somebody else also needs God in, in the same way I do. Um, it's so encouraging to hear the way that God has moved in somebody else's life and to see the way that he's been faithful and then to share the ways that God has been faithful in your life and to experience that together. And so um, the third way is it validates our humanity, our limitations, our shared weaknesses, our frailties. Um, we all have struggles. We all we all wrestle in our relationship with Jesus Christ, and it looks different for each of us, but whenever we are willing to be vulnerable and weak with one another and share that, what we find is that we're not alone and that, and that we, other people experience those limitations as well. It's not just us. And um, the last one is that it grows our compassion. It helps us to, um, to grieve with one another it helps us to understand, have understanding for each other. I think that so many times, when you hear another believer come to you and tell you that they've um, experienced something challenging, you've either experienced it yourself, or you can imagine what that feels like to experience that, and your compassion grows when you can listen, and when you can grieve with them and walk with them. And I think compassion is something that we all probably need a little extra dose of. Um, in our life. 
So those are the things that spiritual formation accomplishes in us. Okay, so then this class coming up yeah. starts middle of January, end of January. Yeah, it starts January 22nd, which is kind of a weird date, but it's just the way that it worked out. Okay. Scheduling. And then what, give us a yeah. vision, like a practical. Yeah, so um, in this class, this is going to be very hands-on, and so there's going to be small group work. And no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, this is a great opportunity for you to come in and focus is what we're going to do. Um, this is not going to be new year, new you kind of thing. This is going to be a come in and be together and share. Um, the first week we're going to come in and we're going to do some observation practices. We're going to pay attention to our life. It's going to be week one. And so your homework is going to be things to help you pay attention to your life. And you're going to go and you're going to spend a week paying attention, really close attention. Um, second week, you're going to come in and after you've done the work of paying attention, you're going to do something called um, craft a rule of life which sounds kind of spooky sometimes, but it's rule, meaning that it's like guardrails. If you think of a bowling alley and you think of the bumpers in the lane, that your rule of life is your bumpers. This is just the places that you go in. And one of the materials that I've been using, I love what she says. She says, so many times we think that we need to achieve balance, that we keep thinking that we need to have it like perfectly balanced. She's like, what if you didn't need to have like perfect balance? What if you just have rhythm? And I like that much better. <laughs> um, the third week, we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about some spiritual practices. And so, there's a whole lot of spiritual practices out there. I mean, we focus on prayer, meditation, fasting, and study. But there's a lot of other practices that you can take part in. And so, we're going to look at things like the examine. We're going to look at lectio divina. We're going to look at breath prayer. We're going to look at centering prayer. So, there's gonna, a bunch of different practices that have. Um, been around for thousands of years, and we're going to take a deeper dive into those and just give, get a chance to be familiar with them and see if they might work, if that might be something that you want to do. And then the last thing that we're going to do is we're going to fine-tune our rule of life because we're working together on this, and we're going to, we're going to practice it and evaluate it and, and share it together because um, that is an important piece. Doing this in community is such an important piece, guys. And... Um, so that's just going to be four weeks, but then in June, we're going to get back together again one week, one weekend, and we're going to say, and we're going to do a check-in, and we're going to say, okay, you wrote a rule of life, how's it going? And we're going to hold each other accountable, and we're going to say, this is what worked for me, this is what didn't work for me, a rule of life is a living document, and so it's supposed to be um, flexible. And so if we find that that didn't work, then we're going to adjust it together in community. And then we're going to check in again in October, and we're going to say, and how did that go again? Because it's not about uh, checking a box. Mm -hmm. It's not about accomplishment. It is about delighting in God and being near to him. And so it's not about um, whether or not we succeeded or failed. It's more about um, the process as we and the rhythms that we have like, and how they, and how they um, connected us with the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so this is going to start in January. And here's too often in our day we think, okay, I did this, I read this, I tried this, it didn't work. So obviously, um, the Christian life, if, if, if you have been a follower of Jesus, uh, I love what um, Pete Scazzaro says, you can be a follower of Jesus for 20 years or you can be a follower of Jesus for one year 20 times. Um, to be a follower of Jesus for 20 years is this is a process in which 
in which the presence and peace of God slowly ruminate and and work in us. This is not an accomplishment. This is not like, okay, peace of God, where's it at? I tried that. And I went to church like three weeks this year and like I flossed yesterday. And so that, I checked that off for the year. Um, this is, this is it, the presence of God ruminates in us. And this is gonna be, I think, a very helpful tool uh, for a lot of people. And, and this is not, this, this is grounded in history. It might be, it might be new, um, but don't, this is not like, uh, I mean, it is, it's, it's good weirdo spirituality. It, it's, uh, if, if you have not known about this, this is good and helpful practices to put us in the presence uh, of God and to practice that. Um, and so this incorporates a whole lot of that. So, um, all right. So that, that is the, where, where we're going to, to go here with our practices. So with that, um, Happy New Year. Walking in Jesus is not about resolutions to do better and try harder. Other areas of your life, that might be fine, although all of our lives are brought under that. For followers of Jesus, it is, if, if you have submitted your life to Jesus, then it is actually practicing our new identity, practicing who we now are. It's walking in the presence and peace of Christ. It's hearing over and over again, growing more dependent on him, not less. And hearing over and over again, I'm here, it's okay, we can let go. So, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence and your peace. Thank you that you have promised this. Thank you that you, um, that there are things that we can learn and grow in. There are practices to remind us of your presence. We have your word to study and know and learn who you are and discern what it is to walk uh, in the truth of the Holy Spirit. We have community that you've given us to encourage and spur one another on toward good works. Uh, all of this uh, is given for us to become more and more like Jesus. And you did not leave us empty-handed. And then at the root of all of this, you've given us the Holy Spirit to constantly point our eyes, to convict of sin, to encourage in moments where we are fearful and anxious, to know that we can stand in the presence, that the work is not up to us to complete, but you have already completed. So, I pray that we would walk, rejoice in find hope in that, weep in that, lament in that, all of the things that we do, that we would be reminded that you are present. Um, as we read earlier, that you are here and you will not keep silent. We are grateful. May we walk in awe of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.